it's it's humbling and it's beautiful and it's uh, it's so satisfying. It's like the longer you walk on this journey, you see God showing up for you time and time again. And so you you stop doubting that it's going to happen and you start dreaming about how it's going to happen. And you just you just get excited about what the next thing is going to be and the the next hard you don't fear it maybe so much anymore because you see that that time and time again he will be there and he's there in the the huge things like friendships and um, he's there in the little things like providing the next house for us wherever we move in the military like he's just he's just there and so yeah knowing that he loves me unconditionally he will show up for me and he will often do that through people um I've seen it happen, and so I I anticipate it now instead of fearing that it won't happen again. And now, Mundane Faithfulness presents, in partnership with South Park Crawl Space Records, the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast. Welcome to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast, where friends of Kara Tippett's gather to discuss issues of community, grace, hardship, and the gospel. I'm Jill Butine, and I'm sitting in for Blythe Hunt this morning. Joining me in the studio to discuss chapters two and three of the book, Just Show Up, which Kara Tippett's and I wrote together, is a sweet friend who literally just showed up this week when she arrived for the book release celebration. She flew in from the East Coast, and I had no idea she was coming. What a great surprise. Grace always shows up. Corey McClure, it's so great to have you here today. Thanks, Jill. It's great to be here. It was amazing to see you when you all covered my eyes and surprised me the other night. I was absolutely unaware of all the plans going on. Tell us the story of how that happened. How did you decide to come? Mm -hmm. Yes, so um, your book was being released, and I had been invited through an evite to the party, and I I got it a month or so ago. didn't think anything about it, living on the East Coast, and uh, then... About a week ago, I guess, a friend texted and said, oh, we'd just really love it if you could come. And I just thought, well, well, why can't I come? And, <laughs> and I thought, well, can't afford it, and I, can't ha- I don't have childcare, and there's all these things. And, and um, literally within an hour, all those questions were answered, and, uh, and I had bought a ticket, and we were here. So I was here. That's it's exciting. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks. And that you decided to come in and do a so podcast fun. with us. <laughs> oh, this is fun too. But surprising you was really fun. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> she made me cry. Okay, so you did something similar, which I talk about in, t- in chapter mm. two. When Kara had been moved to hospice, you wanted to come and love on her and see her. You had moved away at the time, mm-hmm. but you knew not to burden her with making any decisions or having to plan anything. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how you made that decision and how you knew what to do in that situation? Sure, sure. So so Kara had sent out a kind of the dreaded text that things weren't going well and she was moving into hospice and um, being a friend far away, it, it's just hard to know um, how to show up. And I really wanted to go and uh, actually, my parents had, for Christmas, gifted me an airline ticket to come home to see Kara, whenever that may be. And so I was excited to get to come, even though it was sad. And so I, I started texting Kara and Jason, when should I come? I wanted to be a help. I didn't want to be a hindrance, uh, all these sorts of things. And I heard nothing from them, nothing at all. And right. and um, 
my insecurities about my friendship with her care kind of started bubbling to the surface and maybe they don't want me or that's silly, you know, that, that internal debate we've all had with Kara. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so I was texting a couple other friends back home. I don't know what to do. Should I come? Should I not? And, and one said, I think you just need to, to make plans and, and come and see what happens. And so I had tremendous peace about that. I'd been praying about it. And I knew that was the answer. And so I, I got online to find an airline ticket and God made it very clear when I should come <laughs> by the price of the airline ticket. <laughs> and so I did. And I texted Kara and Jason and said, I have a ticket. I'm coming. I have a place to stay. I would love to see you, but if I can't, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, that was the Lord. That was just the Lord giving me the words to um, release my expectations of the trip, to release Karen and Jason. Um, and so almost immediately, within minutes, I heard back from Jason and Kara, we'd love to have you. We cannot wait to see you. And so that was just, it was just the Lord working in, in um, what he knew needed to happen mm-hmm. with, with all of that. So, wow, yeah. mm-hmm. that's a great story. And I love how they were able to respond so quickly. They were. And then, and the other part of the story that's not in the book is I got here, stayed with a friend one night, got to go see Kara the next day, and spent the next week with them in their home doing exactly what had been the desire of my heart above and beyond, getting to do their laundry and be there. And I never expected that. So it was kind of, I gave it up to the Lord saying, thy will be done. And he gave it back to me mm-hmm. tenfold. So it was beautiful. So to me, that was a really risky thing to do. It must have taken a lot of trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. I struggled with this throughout the journey with Kara and in writing the book. Will people understand me questioning God yet trusting Him at the same time? Mm-hmm. It's been a switch for me to learn that I can just trust God and I don't always mm-hmm. have to understand mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. He's doing. I might not understand these things till heaven. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have experiences like this where you were trusting God even while you were kind of questioning what He was doing? I, I have. I've had a lot. I, um, my husband's in the Army, and so kind of from the get-go, and he was Special Forces. <laughs> so from the very beginning, um, it was a letting go of, of um, knowing. Special Forces wife, you don't know where they are. They are. You don't really want to know, um, but you know God knows, so that's another wow. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, so yes, yeah, so it's as, as the years have gone by, uh, with, with being in the army, not knowing when you're going to move, if you're going to move, not knowing when your husband's going to get, um, you know, called up to go, you know, in the beginning I would fight it and I'm very much a planner and an organizer and I want to have steps A, B and C all planned out. And I, I realized in the midst of one of the many deployments that I was using up all this energy on things that were never happening. And so if I could just release it and trust the Lord, give him the desire of my heart for a friendship or um, an experience or anything, if I would just tell the Lord what I wanted and then would sit back and wait, either um, he would give me peace that it wasn't supposed to happen or, like I said with Kara, he would just give me above and beyond. And because I let the Lord into it and it wasn't just me controlling it, it was so much more beautiful. And I got my energy back and I could love all my kids better because I wasn't so concerned <laughs> about all that. the details. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. All right. So I think we need to talk about the comfort in dump out circle. Mm-hmm. And I know you're familiar with this. Mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about it before. Basically, it's a set of circles, um, one inside the other. It's a series. On the inside circle, you write the name of the person who's suffering. So for us, it would have been Kara. And then from there on out, we would add names into the other rings Mm. of where we thought we fit and where other people fit. 
um, the purpose is just to help us recognize who should we be comforting mm-hmm. and then who can we dump out to? Who mm-hmm. can we kind of say, this is hard, I'm struggling. We do not want to do that to the person who is suffering. Mm-hmm. And I know that happened to Kara a few times, which of course she was gracious mm-hmm. about, but it's such a great and kind of a simple mm-hmm. lesson that we can use. Um, I know you're familiar with the concept. How did this affect your relationship with Kara and those around her? Did you find people ever dumped into you when perhaps mm. they should have been comforting? Mm-hmm. How did you kind of use this in mm-hmm. your journey with Kara? It was really helpful. It was just kind of a mental image. Um, so when I had a question of whether or not I should say something to someone, specifically Jason and Kara, because right. I felt like we weren't around their their extended family a lot. So besides besides Jason and Kara and the kids, we were kind of the next circle, at least of the people I knew. And so it was really a gut check for um, for talking to Jason and Kara. And it just and I did it. Oh my goodness, I did it wrong. I probably learned to do it right because I did it wrong. I said, Oh yeah, <laughs> awful too. things to Jason. I mean, I think with Kara I was a little more sensitive, but with Jason, <laughs> bad. Tell him how hard this was for me, and oh, but I think I only did that a couple times. And yeah. Anyway, so it, this this mental image was like, okay, good, okay, so just take a pause, Holy Spirit. You know, is this which circle am I in, and which circle is this person in? And um, and it was good. It also, I think, it also gave me grace for other people when they messed up with me because I realized they probably don't know this, and they're just doing the best they know how to do. And so, to be able to to say, okay, you're in this inner circle and you're feeling dumped on right. because this is out of whack. But these dear people do not know that. And no. so just take what you know and give them grace and, you know, pray that you don't do this <laughs> to mm-hmm. the next circle. And um, it was just, it's a really helpful, really helpful yeah. analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I talk about yeah. it in the book a little bit That's that great. I remember one morning in the parking lot where I was about to say to Jason, yes. this is really hard on all of us. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, nope. This is hard on him. Yes. He's the one closest. Yes. But without this uh-huh. set of circles, right. I would never have even considered no. that because we were such a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I know they had grace for us. They did. Tremendous. I and it is a little, that. sometimes it's awkward because you realize I should not say to this person what I want to, what I'm about to, and then right. you have nothing else to say. So then you have to choose to be okay with saying nothing, Yes, which is hard for me. Some me people, too. it's not hard for, but for me, it's hard not to talk. And so for me, there was some for me, awkward, silent moments because mm-hmm. the thing I was about to say to Kara was not, would not have been comforting. And right. so instead I just had to sit in it. Um, so that was the growth on my part to be yes. okay with quiet. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh man, I yeah. had to work on that too. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Quiet is hard. Yes, yes. Okay, so we talk a bit in the book about how each person has their own showing up story. Mm-hmm. Some are near and able to help physically, others are long distance. And that can be a hard struggle mm-hmm. to figure out how you fit when you're not nearby. Mm-hmm. Corey is unique because first she was here <laughs> and she was amazing. Mm-hmm. I call her like the hero shower upper <laughs> because, <laughs> well, that's just not in my nature to have volunteered the way that you did. And you just, so she said to Kara, I would like to watch story, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, that's one right. day a week. I think mm-hmm. it was Wednesdays mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching Corey and being like, wow. <laughs> That is impressive. Um, how did you come to that decision in that point? Because yeah. all of us had only known Kara for about sure. six months. Not really before. She, so she had moved to Colorado. She was diagnosed six mm-hmm. months later. So mm-hmm. we were all pretty new yes. in her life. So how yes. did you make that decision? So that summer, I had hosted uh, something at my house called, what do we call it? Pray and play or something. Where the moms, we we prayed through the the 
prayers and power of a praying wife and the kids would play outside and play in the basement. And so Kara came, I think it might've been the first time I had a significant conversation with her. I mean, I, I just blasted it out to all the moms at the school or all mm-hmm. the moms in our class. And we were just chatting and talking afterwards and realized, oh, we both have kids who aren't in school yet. So maybe on Wednesdays we'll, we'll flop, we'll okay. flip back and forth and you can take mine, I'll take yours and we'll give each other a break. Great. And then the news came of the diagnosis and we're all scrambling to know what should we do? What can we do? Right. And again, honestly, I took it to the Lord. I said, I don't know what to do. I barely know this girl. I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't know what to do. And But I texted her and I said, let me just take story every Wednesday. And you, you'll just know that she's taken care of every Wednesday. And um, she said yes, which was huge yes. because she did not know me well. And she still was in the early stages of her journey. And she could have easily said, no, that's all right. I'll figure it out. You right. know, but she said yes. She let me in. And um, from there, she scheduled her chemo treatments on Wednesdays because of that. Mm. And um, because of that, even though she was sick and rarely around, this is when I'm going to cry. Aww. I got to know her through her story, through her sweet story. And um it was precious. I felt like I got to, I just, I was so honored that I, because not long after that, everybody was wanting to show up and help. And I just felt like God like got me in there to do this special thing um, and have story in my home. So yeah. we would, we would go to the zoo with my Rachel, who is, who is a year younger than her. And we had really special time. So I knew story before I knew Kara. I love um, that. It's really special. Yes. Okay, so then you moved away in the midst of, it was before she went into hospice. Yes. Mm -hmm. But we all knew the prognosis was, Mm -hmm. yes, was coming at some point. Uh Tell us about that. How, I mean, how did you deal with moving away? And then how did your showing up story kind of continue through that? Sure. So when I moved away, we weren't quite sure. There was still hope. She had not gotten that, that, where was she? She'd gotten not an all clear, but you know, but it was looking good and there okay. was hope. That's where we hope were. Hope for time. Hope for time, right. But we didn't know how much time. And right. really at that point, so it was a couple summers ago, and we just we really weren't sure. And she and I went to the zoo one day with our girls and she um she asked me so she the point is she was feeling well enough that she was taking speaking engagements. Yes. And she was wanting to get her message out there. And so she asked me if I would uh, be willing to kind of manage all of that. What a gift for me, because I could do that from afar. You know, that yes. was a way I could show up for her. I could respond to the emails. I could book speaking engagements, all that sort of stuff. And so that's that's kind of how it came about, that she asked if I could I could do that. And um, I'd been praying for a way. I didn't know what Lord was doing, and I really didn't know why he was pulling me away in the middle of the hardest of the hard. Mm-hmm. And my community and my support with Kara, um, it was it was hard. So that's that's kind of how I got to stay involved Uh, even though I was so far away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the the beauty of that was it gave me something to do that wasn't just, how are you feeling today? Um, How was chemo? It gave me something else to talk to her about that wasn't about her sickness. It was about, it was fun and it was exciting and all that sort of stuff. So that was was a blessing. I like that. And it embraced life, which Kara was always planning and still Mm -hmm. living no matter what. So that's cool that you guys get to got to keep that connection because she kind of got worn out about the questions always being about her health I think she just wanted to keep living and keep having life outside of that so that was a blessing to our friendship to have something to talk about that wasn't about her latest you know yeah that makes sense yeah it was good now I talk a little bit about how her texting kind of changed at the end and this is a little bit further in the book but how was that for you at the end when it was harder to get a hold of Kara oh yeah it's hard 
It was it was hard. Again, like we talked earlier a little bit about our insecurities, and um, you know, Kara was such a brilliant texter, and so you feel like if she wasn't texting you. You just Satan gets in there mm-hmm. and you want to be, you know, you thought, well, I thought I was in the inner circle, but I guess I'm not anymore. And he just uses it. He just wants to to break down the community that's there. And Kara always tells us, trust me, um, if if there's something wrong, then I will tell you. And I knew mm-hmm. that in my head, but Satan was working on my heart a little too hard. So anyway, so it really um, became just a matter of me being content to just it be one way. And I send the texts her way, knowing that um, they meant something to her and knowing that if she could, she would. And I just, I had to trust in the friendship that was there. Yes. Uh, because like we were talking about yesterday, Jill, you know, it was Kara on medication and it was Kara, it was a different, it wasn't our Kara. And, right. and talk about in the book, you start to lose the friend you had and it, is it the sickness? Is it the suffering? Or is it the real person? And to distinguish, and I think that's what I had to do. Yes. This is the suffering, not texting me back. This isn't yes. Kara, not texting me back. And yeah. I love what you say there about how you made it not about you. Mm. So you sent the text anyway that said, hey, I'm thinking about you yes. or caring about you mm-hmm. and not expecting an answer back. Yeah. And that's selfless. And that's a hard part of this journey. It's a hard and it's a decision you have to make and you have to make it. I had to make it a lot. Yes. A lot more than I thought. I thought I could come to peace with it and then, but I, I couldn't. Um, I just had to keep giving it over to the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Over it's and over again. It's not about me. It's not about me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Blythe mentioned to me that chapter three is an important chapter to her because she experienced such silence in the Mm -hmm. grief of losing her parents. She knew people meant well, that they didn't want to bring up a touchy subject Mm -hmm. and hurt her by talking about it. But she said what people don't understand is that when you are grieving or struggling on a deep level, Mm -hmm. it's already on your mind constantly. Mm -hmm. So people can't make it worse by bringing it up, Mm -hmm. which I think is a great point to Mm -hmm. make because I was the person who didn't bring stuff up, Mm. was so afraid to hurt and be awkward. Mm -hmm. And so I just wouldn't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. Have you had experience with this? Have you ever been the person to not say anything? Have you had people not say anything to you? Mm -hmm. How did you figure out how to do this well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, it's, It's a really, it's a hard one. It's a hard, it's the fear of saying the wrong thing, the fear of if I say nothing, is that worse? It's a really, I felt like it was a very moment by moment, again, praying to the Lord at this moment, should I say this? And then giving grace to yourself when you mess up. Mm-hmm. But uh, recently I have just realized that, uh, I, like you said, it's it's on your mind a lot. And I had a, an acquaintance come up to me. I don't know her well at all. And she said, oh, I was kind of stalking you on Facebook. We're, we're mutual friends. Um, we have mutual friends. And I'm sorry, but I, I found out that you're friends with Kara Tippett's. Uh-huh. And um, I just started crying. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, you probably don't want to talk about it. I was like, I, I want to talk about it. I, I think about, you want to talk about Kara? Let's talk about Kara, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it was one of those, those, those things that I, I realized that uh, by not saying things, by, by people being so concerned they're going to say the wrong what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it's worth risking saying the wrong thing to show up for people mm, and to <laughs> say maybe the wrong thing, but to get going in the conversation so that people know 
that you're trying and that you care. Because if you don't say anything, they don't even know you're thinking about it. No. And you feel lost and you want to talk about your friend and you want to talk about your experience and how you're feeling. And so you just have to risk saying the wrong thing sometime in order to be involved in someone's life. Yes. Yeah. That's great. I mentioned Kara's sense of humor in the book. It was a big part of her. <laughs> like the time she texted me, she was dying to know something. And then the next text was, I'm actually dying, but I still want to know. Oh, my goodness. How do you feel about Kara's sense of humor? Do you think it helped in our group to keep laughing in the hard, to keep the sense of humor? Yes, I think it was absolutely pivotal. I think that when so much is hard, it is easy to be in the depths of despair <laughs> all the time and just be so focused on the heart. And the thing about the person being in suffering, the thing about them using humor is it gives permission for everybody else to use humor. You know, we we can't laugh with Kara if she's not laughing herself. You just, because you, you don't know, you want to be sensitive to the fact. And Jason, the same way. Jason's fantastic. His sense of humor is, he just, our jaws are on the ground all the time. Yes. Did he really just say that, yes. you know? And so it's just, Laughter and sense of humor is one of God's greatest gifts because when you can laugh together, it, it just bonds your friendship a little bit more and it just makes it not quite so hard yeah. when you can just kind of laugh about it. <laughs> and it, gives a, it gave us a little bit of freedom. It did. It gave us a lot of freedom. And yeah, yeah, it was good. It was kind of like the comfort circles, though. You got to be a little careful because what Kara could joke about. Yes. I tried that once to a joke about her dying. It did not go. I was like, <laughs> Whoa, no, don't do that. So it's a it's a it's a dance. Yeah, it's a dance like she the rest probably of it. Didn't even care. I doubt she even. Oh, no, she wouldn't have even. But, you know, yes, I felt like you it had that check in your like, gut. Be a little careful. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So anyway, I struggle with yeah. that, too, because I like to be funny. I know. Right. We do. And then you like go to a step the too far. Oops. <laughs> Okay, so what would you want people to know about this journey that you walked mm -hmm. with Kara? What's the biggest lesson you learned? Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many. There's so many I'm beautiful make things. You, you are going to make me choose. I'll oh, just kidding. Five. Oh, you're going <laughs> to let me talk. I think, I think, you know, there was kind of a defining moment in my friendship with Kara actually last year at a women's retreat where she was signing books and I was helping her in this. Um, girl came up and she said, oh, I know you. You're the friend that moved away. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be that friend. I don't want to be the friend who moved away. But then I thought, oh, but I'm that friend. I am a friend of Kara's. Yes. And uh, this journey with Kara, God has just constantly um, moved me away from her, constantly taken it felt like he was taking away what I wanted. You Every know? time you gained a little Every bit. time I gained a little ground, something would change. And it wasn't just Kara. It was me. It was us moving. Um, and so I feel like this this journey with Kara has been the ultimate um, give up your expectation of what you think this friendship should be and just watch what I'm going to do. And I think you mentioned it in the book. It's just this. I gave it up and God gave it back to me tenfold. I have given up stuff before and it has not come back tenfold. It is not, you know, it's not a vending machine. This is not you do this and you get that. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. But with Kara, it was very just give up her friendship, you know, give up her friendship and I'll give it back to you. Um, and so that continued to happen to the point where God asked me to give up. An, for me, felt very ultimate where I could not 
uh, fly home for Kara's funeral. I had planned a trip with my husband that I just, I I, I needed to be there. And Kara would have wanted me to go with my husband. I I know Kara. I could hear her in my voice, my voice. I could hear her in my head saying, you go love on your man and you have fun with him. It was devastating to me that I couldn't show up at the moment that I really wanted to be there. And so that has been my journey with Kara. Give her up Mm. and he gives you back to her, you know, and then that giving up of coming to the funeral the redemption of that has been coming back this weekend mm-hmm. and getting to show up for you, Jill, and this book and surprise you and have these moments this weekend that I did not know were coming, you know, get to be with people. And so he just keeps redeeming it um, because he's given me the, the strength to give it up, you know, and it's so special. But I, I really that. miss her. Oh. <laughs> miss her a lot. <laughs> I went into her home yesterday for the first time and I needed to do it. I needed to see it. And, um, Oh, dear. That's a hard moment. I just miss my friend. You have been listening to the Mundane Faithfulness Podcast with Blythe Hunt, an official production of the Mundane Faithfulness blog. You can find us at mundanefaithfulness.com.